This is actually the second time we've had you on a podcast, so thanks for jumping on again. My pleasure. It's good to be here on the Gold Coast. 100% on the Gold Coast. Eric 2022, hey? Mate, what a day. Yeah, it's been very, very exciting. Even, I was just saying before, it's been my 13th Eric and uh, love coming here every day. I pick up new bits and pieces and getting to meet people like yourself and connecting with agents all around Australia. Uh, It's phenomenal. So day two is going to be quite large again, but uh, I'm excited. It's crazy you got... I've, I've spoken to a couple of agents over the past few weeks just saying, hey, you're coming up to Arik and they go, oh, no, I'm not going to hear anything I, I don't already know. But then you see people that are at the top of the industry, like yourself, and there's been a few others as well that have been coming every year since it started. Um, why do you think that is? I think the biggest thing for Arik for me is, is there's certain things you're doing in your business today that you might have been doing four or five years ago, but then you become complacent at those things and you do them maybe half-heartedly or you don't do them to the full scale. So whether it's a new marketing plan, whether it's reinventing the wheel in your listing presentation or your buyer negotiation or your callback. So just listening to those agents today, um, a couple from um, regional Australia, a couple from Melbourne, there was just some really, really good insights in there that are gonna help me hopefully just get three or four things, takeaway points, put them in my business, and watch my business grow consistently. And I've been selling now 150 houses for over eight years. Mm. So the volume of my um, transactions consistently has been such, such a high number for so long. So obviously to do that takes a lot of discipline, a lot of hard work, Mm. and most importantly, doing the right thing by people, but consistently reinventing the wheel. And I've definitely noticed in the last five to six years that the competition's becoming fiercer. And gone are the days of agents that don't have a database, that don't follow up with people. So our marketplace now, there's a lot more agents that have got into real estate in their early to mid-20s. And they're prepared to work six days a week, have a database, Mm -hmm. and most importantly, actually want to write big numbers. Whereas when I first started back in 2009, there was very few agents in Adelaide that had a database and that were selling large volumes of houses. Yeah, it's a young person's game now, I feel. Definitely, it's changed. The mindset's changed and a lot more youth are getting into real estate and there's a lot of those older people that are leaving the industry or they're getting chewed up because they, they because the person that's coming along who's prepared to do the hard work, yeah. door knock, cold call, build a database, consistently follow up with them, those agents that are complacent, not having their great success anymore. What's your mindset then now around your workload? We were talking off camera, that you've turned just into more of a referral-based agent because you've you know, got eight years of consistency when it comes to volume. Are you still full throttle as you were you know, eight years ago or have you been able to change it? What, what does that look like now? So for all the listeners that are listening to this, there's always different stages of your career and there's different stages in life. And as you can probably appreciate, my mentor, my business partner, Phil Harris, always said to me, the first five years in real estate are always the hardest. You're going from zero to 50, maybe 100 sales a year. And you're trying to build this business where you're consistently going to write a large number of sales and gross commission for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. Because in those first three to five years, you're always questioning yourself, am I good enough? Am I capable? And am I going to be in real estate for the actual long game? Because there's a lot of setbacks. There's so many issues that arise on a daily basis in real estate that make you want to potentially 
get out of the industry. Mm. Um, especially when you've got people wanting to sue you or write you legal letters over disputes over fence alignments or contracts being incorrect. There's so many things that can go wrong in real estate. Have so you had something like that? Plenty, plenty. And I've got one at the moment where I've um, a misrepresentation of property where it was my fault and wow. things happen like that. Mm. I sold the property with, um, with a storage cage, um, but I actually, there is no storage cage in that property. So I misinterpret it with my vendor. I've gone back to that buyer and been super honest with her saying I've made a mistake. But at the same time though, that's not gonna change her from having a storage cage in a big apartment complex in Adelaide. So yeah. I'm now in dispute about compensation with that. So, but my psychology and my philosophy in life is clear. You do the right thing by people, it'll always come back to you. And if you play the long game, you're gonna have success. So that first five years, for everyone listening to this right now, yes, it takes hard work. You're not gonna be able to make it in real estate working nine till five. It's just not going to happen for you. But if prepared to build the database, have consistency around that, well then you're gonna see those results down the track. And I use this analogy with my team a lot. Zero to five contacts, mm. customers don't know you. Five to 10 contacts, they start to like you, they start to know you. 10 to 15 contacts, they wanna do business with you. And most importantly, they actually trust you. That's powerful. That Very powerful. Fun. So what do you do every single day? And when you're calling that potential client in your database, what stage of that process are you at with that potential mm -hmm. customer? So when you're not prospecting today, right? You're not missing business today. You're missing business in three months, mm -hmm. in 120 days, in 12 months time. So why does my phone ring sometimes three, four, five times a day saying, Tom, you don't know me, or Tom, you've been referred to me. Would you like to come and look at my house? Because of the hard work I've done over such a long period of time. So it's about just gradual consistency and making those 20 or 30 connects in the AM every single morning, and then you're seeing the results. I remember seeing you, um, I'm not sure if you know, he spoke on uh, Josh Vegan's not masterclass, Blueprint. Chain, Blueprint, Blueprint, yeah, Change Agent Awards. Change yeah. Agents, and you were talking about it. When you first started off, you literally wore the soles out of your shoes. Absolutely. So when you say gradual, I feel like you were full throttle right from the beginning. How do you keep that same energy from when you started in real estate? So I, I know when I first got into, into real estate, well, first went out on, on as my own agent, I had that new business energy and I was firing on all cylinders. Now, to be completely honest, it, it starts to wane a bit and the energy starts to drop. How do you stop that from happening and how do you keep it at such a high level? That's a really, really good question. So mm. consistently, you've got to have short-term goals, long-term goals, and most importantly, where do you want to see your business and yourself personally in a long five or 10 year plan? So for me now, I've really got a, a very, very detailed life plan that's really financial, real estate, personal, fitness. So I really know and I define my why. Because if you don't have a strong why in this business of real estate, the simple things like the prospecting, that's gonna be the first thing to go. Yeah. And that's the most important. Because once the prospecting goes, your business goes. Because yeah. at the end of the day, we all know, the less doors you get in, the less properties you're gonna list. Mm. So consistency around that prospecting. But what you've gotta understand for all those listeners listening to this now is it's gotta be different forms of prospecting. We all know in the first two to five years, you're doing the cold prospecting, which is door knocking and cold calling. But if you're doing that after a five year period in real estate, you're doing something wrong because your database should be mature enough and you should have enough contacts that you can actually start to call your particular database and have a strong relationship with them. 
So for an example, last week, even just calling my database now, I was fortunate enough to win an award in Adelaide recently, and it was in the paper. It made like the first 10 pages of the advertiser in Adelaide. And it was amazing how many people saw that, that, that award in the paper. And just when I talk to customers now, I don't have to mention Harris Real Estate, or it's Tom Hector calling, or it's Tom Hector from Harris Real Estate. Hey, Tom, how are you? Thank you so much for the call. I really appreciate the follow-up. So when you've actually got that level of communication and that trust with those potential clients in your database, that's when you start to see the effect. And that's why, like I mentioned to you before, we see that dropout rate so hard in that mm. first couple of years because to get that and the rejection is super hard. And that's why you just got to have that mindset saying, you know what, one day just consistently think zero to five, they're not going to know you, they're not going to like you, but just consistently do it and then they'll start to like you and trust you. I've got a question off the back of when you're creating a plan and understanding how many prospects you need in your area. You know, how many, is it a number, do I need 200 contacts, 1,000 contacts? It's been a big topic at Eric is getting clear on your core niche that you can serve as a professional. With your experience now, would you say, how would you, what advice would you give to a younger agent who's starting to, work out how many numbers they need in terms of their database? So realistically, my database consists of about 2,000 clients at the moment. So yeah, that's plenty of people now with um, A, B, C tasks. With A task is someone that I'm selling in 30 days. A B task is selling in six to 12 months, maybe 18 months. A C task is selling between one to five years. And then I've got my anniversary call. So they've bought a house or sold a house through Tom. But when it comes time to obviously working a patch of homes, mm. you've got to work on what the actual volume of sales is in that business, in that, in that area. So for me, it's about 120 sales that occur in Ross Trevor every single year. So if you're going to work a suburb with only 20 sales, mm. it's going to be very hard for you to get any market share. Mm. And if you do get a bit, you're going to have to have massive commissions. Otherwise, it's not going to be worth your while. Mm. So for me, Ross Trevor's more bread and butter, right? As you can probably appreciate, average fees, 10 to $15,000. But if I can get my hands on 30 to 40 homes a year, which I do for the last eight years now in Ross Trevor, 30 to 40 sales a year just from one suburb, that gets your financial year started every single year. And then I call that my superannuation. So I know that every couple of weeks, someone's gonna call me in Ross Trevor saying, Tom, yep, come around, I wanna sell my house. And we call it now a walk-up start where, yeah, you still have to pitch, you still have to be professional, mm -hmm. but the likelihood of you getting that business is much higher than if you were to go to a cold listing presentation because you've got that momentum in that database. And people have watched me, like I got a call yesterday from a client who I sold the property to her seven years ago and the communication in that suburb every single year, just follow up diligently, the letterbox drops, the constant communication and I doubt she's gonna to speak to another agent. Now, I'll think that she will, so I'll still do it super professional, but you know what, the likelihood is, there's a good chance to win that piece of business. Sure. So definitely, coming back to your question, mm. make sure you know your numbers. You know your numbers, and you got to, high turnover is the way to go, because you've gotta know that you're only gonna get 20 or 30% in the first couple of years. To get any more than 40% in a suburb, it's very, very hard, yeah. over a long period of time. Now, I, touching on uh, starting off and uh, picking your market, I spoke to you a few months ago and you were telling me that you were going to start to shift, yep. not shift, like leave Ross Trevor behind, but move into a higher price point. Do you regret starting in a lower price point and do you wish you actually started off mm. in a higher price point from the beginning? That is a really, really good question. I ask myself in the last couple of years a lot. Mm. 
but there's got to be moments and chapters in your life. And Carla Fetter spoke about um, different um, stages in her life and, and what, um, it, where she's at now compared to where she was 10 years ago. And the analogy is quite clear that I would have never had the success in real estate if I worked a more exclusive suburb from an age. It just wasn't mm. physically possible mm. to get the hands on that stock when I'm 21, 22, 23. So I was fortunate that I was a million dollar agent at 22. So I was selling 140 houses a year at 22, right? But I know that was not feasible if I went to a suburb that was selling $1.52 million. So you've got to work out what works for you. There's no right or wrong. It's based on personality. Please understand that if you work a more expensive suburb, it's going to take you longer to crack into that suburb if you are at a young age. It's just simple as that. So do I have regrets? No, because the financial security and the amount of success I've had mm. in that suburb and those suburbs for so long mm. has created my pathway to where we are today, sitting in front of you based upon selling over 150 houses now for eight years. So yeah, sure, I'd love to get my business down to 100 sales one day, mm. but at the moment when the market's running like it is and I've got such a big connection and community in that northeastern corridor of Adelaide, it's great fun and I'm so well connected there because I've grown up there all my life and I feel like every listing presentation I go into, mm. I can talk to about a brother, a sister, a cousin because I've got yeah. that mm. relationship. You'd be silly to leave it behind, really. Definitely. Um, now, how are you going shifting into, the, into a new marketplace? It's gradual, but there's no question in the last mm. couple of years that all those homeowners I've sold for a number of years ago are shifting more into those higher uh, suburb price points. And my average sale price, along with the market being so strong in the last 12 months, has definitely got bigger, but I'm definitely um, gradually getting there. And it's going to be a gradual effect. Now, I'm 31 years of age. Hopefully, when I'm 33, 35, I can definitely build that sale price even higher. But again, yeah, to answer your question, it's gradual. It's not happening overnight, though. Yeah. Um, quick question for me. Like, when I, I've transitioned a couple of, uh, I've had a, a staff member leave me at the beginning of this year to go off on his own within Manor Real Estate, which was awesome to see. But how do you, you mentioned that you've got someone leaving your team to go out on their own as well. Now, how, are you, how do you handle staff turnover and that transition period? Because you're gonna have a very experienced person leaving you and you're doing 200 deals a year. Definitely, so over my 10 year career in, in real estate now, 10 years ago I started a team. Before that, I was pretty much solo working alongside my business partner, Phil. So we, we did a video a couple of days ago and we're really targeting social media at the moment in Adelaide about getting a new performer within the Hector team. Now, over the last 10 years, I've got Simon Welford, Jared Stamoulis, now Angus Massey. Um, Simon was with me for three years, Jared for four years, Angus for four years. Now, what I love about those performers is they've now got the blueprint. They can absolute complete blueprint to go out there and write 1 million, 2 million, 3 million, whatever they want to do within their business. They might give me a call, which Jared and Simon does once every month or once every quarter to ask me some advice, but they've got that blueprint because they've done such a large number of sales in my team. Now, Angus Massey's 23 years of age and he's been with me since he was 19. And yes, he's going to obviously have some challenges in the next couple of years, but at least he knows what the challenges are because he's seen the volume in my team. So to answer your question, I'm looking again for someone in their early 20s, someone that's been in real estate for maybe 6, 12, 18 months, that's having some blockages. They're definitely wanting to change their career path to obviously want to grow their business. Most importantly, sell a large number of properties. I can hopefully help them there, give them that apprenticeship, 
couple of years and then build them up to be that next big agent. So for me now, it's targeting other real estate companies. Maybe it's someone from a cold start. Yes, preferably not, but I would not, I'm not prepared to say no to that because I know if I get the right person, mm. you, can teach, um, you, can, you can teach the skill, you can't teach passion and hustle. Yeah. And we all know that. Mm. Hustle will always yeah, be talent. Definitely. Tom Panos always says that. What hours do you, uh, are your guys expected to work? Are they, yeah. are they working as many hours as you do? So Fridays afternoons, my team definitely can hate that time off. Saturdays are obviously um, very busy with open for inspections. And then Monday to Friday um, lunchtime, they're definitely working for me. And then obviously, yes, those Monday to Thursday, there's buyer appointments after mm. five, six o'clock. But I also want them to build their own business within my business. So I give them opportunities. So give them appraisals of, of, of clients or properties that I don't want. So a massive resignation again today from three or four speakers was you control your own destiny. If you want to sell higher price properties or if you want to have more time, you have to own your time. Because mm. real estate is very much your business. It's nobody else's. You have to make the decision mm. for yourself. So I think the best thing about my team is that the harder they work, the, long, the shorter their success is going to come in their, in their business. So yes, coming to your question, they've got some KPIs, absolutely. They've got lots of KPIs, buyer appointments, listing appointments, um, gross commission for them. But at the same time though, I want them to build their business so they can go out and start their own. Yeah. Um, another thing I, I, I really think gets overlooked a lot in, the, in this industry, you have a lot of people that are making good money but it doesn't go anywhere. And we were speaking a bit off camera around what you're doing. Why do you think in this industry people are making good money and they don't do anything with it and squander it? And how do you actually put yourself in the position to actually learn and how do you learn where to, what to do with the money that you're making so mm. you don't just piss it up against a tree? I think the biggest thing I realized when I first got into real estate and I went to um, Arik in 2009, I forget I was 18 years of age and I went on my own um, I was literally just out of school, my first year out of school, and I flew um, to Arik with two and a half thousand people back then in Sydney before the Gold Coast. And I worked out that, like I saw Ivan Bresic on stage and I saw all these big speakers. But one thing I knew there was a lot of materialism. And that's one thing I hate about our industry. There's so much materialism and smoke and mirrors that, yeah, they might write big numbers, but they spend it just as far as they earn it. <laughs> and that's the biggest problem. So for me now, I've always been a person that, yes, absolutely reward yourself, have good things, have good wine, as you would say, because you love your wine, have good holidays, but at the same time, you gotta make sure that you put some away. So I've been very fortunate. I've come from a very good upbringing. Mum and dad have been great to me. My dad was a bank manager for 32 years. Okay. Understand numbers. You were never gonna lose that money. Yeah. So from my point of view now, I've worked out where I wanna park my money. Diversify, whether it's a share portfolio, whether it's residential property, whether it's commercial property. But my psychology in life is clear. Make money out of real estate, build compounding interest in assets, whether it's a share market or potential investment properties, build that passive income stream. Now, being at 31 years of age, I've already got some passive income starting, and hopefully in five, 10 years time, that's gonna be allow me to dial real estate back because I've got that compounding interest from those investments outside of real estate. And that's why it's so important that every single year or two, if you're earning or running big numbers, you've got to buy some investments. Let's say, for example, you're a young guy, you, you've started to make some good money. Now, I know you've got some good connections um, throughout Harris Real Estate and there's some good people that you're surrounded by, but let's say you're, you're a young guy that doesn't have connections. 
and you don't know what to do, what would you do and how would you go about it? Are you speaking to financial advisors? Are you going to speak to a buyer's agent? Mm. How do you know what to do with the money? I think when you're in real estate, though, you come across enough property, enough people to actually have connections and yeah. learn around that. So I'm very fortunate now. I can, I've got certain people around me, but everybody's different. And for all those listeners listening today, is it not? there's no right or wrong to this, but I soon realised that I couldn't write big numbers in real estate if I didn't come home to a beautiful home. Like, mm. I first got out, moved out of home at 23, and I renovated a two-bedroom home yet, and that was my first home in the East since I was of Adelaide, but it was completely done. It, was, it sold for a, a really good figure when I sold it five years ago, and then I built my new home now, double-story contemporary property, and everyone says, oh, but that's a lot of money tied up in your investment for your principal place of residence. My psychology around that, though, I work too hard to actually not come home to a beautiful roof over my head and reward myself. But also when I look at that, to answer your question about financial freedom, is that I pay down my home as quickly and as fast as possible. Because once you've got your principal place of residence freehold, mm. you've got the analogy then, or the return to go and borrow against that, to go and buy other properties. And that's your security as your principal place of residence. But we all know if you buy freestanding properties within a short period of, Adelaide, of a CBD city, whether it's Adelaide, Melbourne, Brisbane, Sydney, and most importantly, it's got some um, 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 footprint to improve, you are gonna make money long-term. So you just gotta really stick to the, the fundamentals of real estate, and I'm sure you're gonna have success over a long period of time. Yeah. Sure, the market's moved in the last couple of years, but I think everything's about land. Yeah. In Adelaide, units and houses, units versus houses, there's just chalk and cheese. I'm sure it's the same in Sydney. For sure. Um, uh, now, you were talking a bit about like handling rejection and, and what happens o over the course, like you, you starting off you, and it's tough work and you're going through all this. How do you actually manage your energy? So like, since last time I seen you put on a bit of muscle, Definitely. doing some CrossFit. How are some other ways you're managing your energy, especially when you're doing so many deals and working so, as hard as you do? So health and fitness to me is everything in real estate. You yeah. can't do what I do consistently if I was to go to bed late at night, if I wasn't getting eight hours sleep, if I was having three or four coffees a day, if I was drinking alcohol during the week, yeah. if I was eating fast food. So I, very, I live a very, very simple life. So I train six days a week. I get Saturdays off. That's my recovery day. Monday, Monday, Sunday to um, Friday, I'll train for at least 45 minutes of hit session a day. So CrossFit is what I'm into. Learning the Olympic lifting lifts. It's hard work, but I absolutely love it. And the amount of um, capacity I've got with my engine now, my aerobic capacity is huge. And definitely I've put on a lot of muscle in the last number of years compared with what I used before. But then that allows me to obviously want to sell more houses and have more energy throughout my day. So I know that if you eat well and you exercise well, that's gonna just breed success. And the problem is, even at the gym I go to, you, you see people for a couple of weeks, yeah. then you won't see them for a month, yeah. right? Then you might see them for a couple of weeks. Whereas everyone that knows me in the gym in the last two years, I'm consistent. I've got a personal trainer twice a week, mm -hmm. and he just is absolutely gobsmacked that rain, hail or shine, I will be there. Yeah. I will be there. It's and it's the about the consistency. That doesn't, yep. that doesn't not turn up. Yep. Yeah, and he's 10 sure. years of having mm. being a PT. He's never seen someone so consistent as me. Love I'll it. always get my two sessions in a week. So today, being on the Gold Coast, I'll have to catch up a session next week because I'm not back until Tuesday. Yeah, right. So we're always catching up a session to make it two sessions a week with Josh. Daniel wow. actually asked me today, he goes, oh, what's Tom Hector like? And I said, he's the most dis disciplined person you'll ever meet in your life. 
fucked insane. How do you keep that discipline up and is it just your drive and hunger or is there something else to it's it? It's definitely my drive and hunger, but it's just about what, what I stand for as a human being. I wasn't born on planet Earth to be mediocre. Mm. I just wasn't born to just to, to be someone that's going to just fluff about and, and eventually get there. It, when, I, when I got into real estate, I wanted to be successful tomorrow. Not in a year, not in a week, not in 10 years. I wanted to be successful tomorrow. So everything I did was, how am I going to fast track that? Now, yeah, I think I'm disciplined, but my business partner, Phil Harris, he's super disciplined as well. He's an absolute um, uh, freak of nature and he's, and he's a great person in business with. Great. And there's other people as well that I know are friends and family that are definitely disciplined, but I, I definitely just consistently do what I do well every day and that's, that's breathed my success. What advice would you give to your, yourself <clears throat> knowing the, how consistent and disciplined you've been, has it been too extreme, not enough? What advice would you give to your uh, about it? Uh, in, in 18 to 25, there's no question that went a bit hard. There was, there was days there, there where I was having some panic attacks and anxiety attacks to the point where it's like, you've got to go home or you've got to get help. Or, and for nine years of my life there, when I was selling a lot of houses, I, I exercised a couple of times a week, but there was not much exercise going on. I had a lot of back constraints. I had kyphosis, scoliosis, Sherman's disease, and, and it was pretty yeah, well, severe. So when was you causing, say hard, it was just focused on work. And it was a problem. There was no mm. fitness, no health around with that. There was a bit, but it was not, not to the point now. So at 12 o'clock every day, you can't book me an appointment, no matter what I am doing. If it's listing a $2 million home, you won't get me. I'll have to go there at two o'clock. It's, that's my hour in the gym. I train at lunch and that's when I do it. So my time management now is so disciplined around my rituals because rituals create that. Whereas when you're two years into your career, you always say yes. You're a yes yeah. person because you want that next piece of business. So yeah, absolutely. To, to answer your question, 18 to 25, there's no question that I went too hard. But you know what? I wouldn't be where I am today without that. So it's short-term pain for long-term gain. Mm. And yes, probably my biggest regret is not enjoying the journey for so much. Like being so anxious about the next listing, the next sale, wanting to get to a million dollars overnight, wanting to write two million. Whereas if it took me a bit longer, that's okay. But as you can probably appreciate, I'm a very competitive individual. Very. So what, what's the ritual look like at the moment? in terms of a daily schedule? Yeah, so eight o'clock team meeting every single day at eight o'clock with my team. So myself and my three assistants, yep. and we go through the day before and the day ahead. And what time do you start your day? Yeah, I'm there at 7.30 prepping for that meeting. Yep, and, and you're then, up at five? Yeah, up at six, up at six, up at six. Yeah. yep. Making sure I've got a really good breakfast. Um, I'll do some morning meditation. I'll normally flick through um, ABC News to work out what's going on in the world just to make sure I'm up to date with, um, with, with what's going on so I can talk to my customers and clients about what's mm. going on around the world, like with the Texas shooting going on at the moment or whether it's the Albanese winning, winning the election, all of that. And then from there, um, 9 to 11 at 30, I'm just prospecting. Like calling my vendors after the meeting, prospecting, and then 12 to 6 or 12 at the gym, 1 to 6, I'm out doing appointments. If I'm not, I'm back on the phone. That's simple. That's my day. And if it's not prospecting, it might be doing um, something like dealing with owners. Like it's always to do with dollar productive activity. Yeah. How do you cram that all into that amount of time? Are you doing vendor meetings in person still? At the moment, because the market's been so strong, 
No, no, but I'll only, I'll pick my meetings depending on the client. So if a client needs me, mm. absolutely I'll be face to face with it. And that's about reading the play and becoming that salesman, knowing that when to call Mrs. Jones or <laughs> when to call that client, knowing there's a headache or there's a problem, or when to make sure you update that client three times a day or twice a day, not just once because they're high maintenance. And that's where we call it reading the play and becoming a salesman. And you're not going past six. Um, yeah, absolutely. Oh, I, there's no question that there's probably two nights a week that are 7.30, quarter to eight, right? And the rest, the three other days are probably 6.30. So yeah. yes, the hardest thing in my business is late nights, but that's just part and parcel of real estate. I'm surprised that it's not every night's 8 p.m. because even with myself, you're doing far more than me. Yeah. Um, and most nights I'm like 8 p.m. Everyone yeah. wants to see me after hours. You don't yeah, I'll never book an appointment past seven o'clock though. So I won't, I'll try and get a listing appointment at six, right? Yeah. So you're done by seven, 7.15, right? You're home in the door by half past seven. Seven o'clock listing appointments, they're too late for me because you're getting home at 8.30, you're waking up the next day feeling absolutely rough. Yeah, cool. So I'm pretty anal about making sure that you're home by 7.30, quarter to eight at the latest because you're eating too late, you're not getting asleep and you gotta be very careful on that. Is there a reason you stopped going to the gym prior to work? Yeah, because it breaks my day up though. I love it because it literally, yeah. the mornings is like really good prospecting. By lunchtime, I'm in the gym sweating it all out and I get really excited to get in people's lounge rooms. It just works yeah. for me. So everything's different. I do train like on Friday morning, I train at 5.30 in the morning. So mm. I mix it up, but 90% of the time I train at lunch because yeah. my gym is right next to the office. Okay. So literally it it's easy. one minute drive or 30 second drive from our office. So at 11.55, I'm driving to there, getting changed, the gym starts. Wow. So it works. Whereas if I was that way, I've got to come back and forth. So mm. on a Friday, as I work from home, so I'll go to the gym on a Friday morning, head home and make calls for the rest of the day or appointments. So again, just pick and choose. Are you still taking the whole Friday off? Uh, like Friday, not Friday off, but... Friday, Friday afternoons, definitely, like getting yeah. a massage or go and relax. But I like to try oh, and call my anniversary calls on a Friday. So my anniversary calls are just purely like really long 15, 20 minute chats because they're all established clients, remember? They're yeah. people that have done business with me. They wanna have a chat. So those calls take a bit longer and building that strong relationship with people. You talk about how goals are, are, are what really fuels your business and fuels your life. Where do you see yourself in the next five years? Yeah, I think at the end of the day, my psychology is definitely go hard at least to another five to 10 years, right? Mm -hmm. I think by the eight, I'm 31 now, I reckon I've got a good nine years left in me of selling really, really aggressively. And I've always said to myself, when I get to 40, I'll reevaluate it, whether it's potentially um, sales management, whether it's dialing it back to maybe some less sales, but I feel like I've got the energy now to consistently do this. Mm -hmm. um, I love the thrill of the chase. I'm in a phenomenal business. We're in the best business I feel in the world. Harris Real Estate, well, we've got 192 staff. We've got a sales team doing $25 million plus in revenue, which is unheard of for Adelaide. Mm. So we've got a very, very successful company. We've got a great leader. So for me now, it's head down, bum up, and enjoy the journey. And I'm fortunate to be on this journey with Phil. So it's good fun. Beautiful. Now, wh why do you think you were able to sell 140 properties a year at 21, 22? And what do you think separate? Like, what's the difference between you and everybody else, especially now and back then? I think in those first three years to get me to 140 sales was the prospecting. It was the relentless, absolutely prospecting my service area of Ross Trevor. Um, and as you can probably appreciate, it's like a farming analogy. You sow the seeds, yeah. you're out there, letterbox dropping, you're door knocking, mm -hmm. you're cold calling. Mm -hmm. 
and then you're consistently doing that for a long period of time. So 12 months, 18 months, 24 months, all of a sudden, you're consistently calling 30 to 50 people a day. You do that for two years straight, you're guaranteed to have, have success. Yeah. People just go with you because they, they actually feel guilty they don't go with you, yeah. right? So it's that guilt analogy, or you might lose a few, but you're gonna win a lot because you prospect a lot. So that's where my success came, and that's consistently how I've done my success is the relentless prospecting and, and being a real person in real time, because um, I've had a really good connection with my community. I've known a lot of people in the Northeastern Corridor of Adelaide, mm -hmm. and that's why people have come to me. I can't please everybody, I get that. Not everyone's gonna love Tom, but at the same time though, yeah. I feel like that's the analogy I've used. And everything's about protecting your brand. Brand is everything. Yeah. What, um, what type of work or training do you do on yourself or on your skill set at the moment when you're at that level? Really good question. So at the moment, um, I'm trying to um, get away from the real estate day-to-day -day operation. So I love Jim Rohn. I love Tony Robbins. Yeah. I love Robin Sharma. Um, I, I love, yeah, absolutely. What um, is it you love about? I just learning about the. It's the mindset. The mindset's probably the biggest thing now. Like, yeah. how do you keep the mind ticking mm. when you've got demons about like vendors and buyers or your staff or just constant habits that or uh, issues that arise? Mm. But one thing that I've probably love about my journey is that for so many years I'd get so 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 anxious and concerned and sleepless nights when something would go wrong in my team or a team member would leave me or I had a dispute with a client but now I know that I've got such an established business is that if not everyone likes me like I gave the keys back to another one last week I just couldn't help him I said Muhammad I can't help you like gave the keys back. It was a very, very, very awkward conversation. He was ringing me on last Sunday, abusing me. But I said, you know what? Right. He's not on my bus. He's not on my bus. Yeah. Work with the people that are on your bus. So from my point of view now, I'm fortunate to know that I've got a career in real estate long term. Mm. If I'm going to have a slow month, it'll make up for next month. Mm. If I have a slow quarter, I'll have a big quarter the next quarter because I'll work harder or, or do those fundamentals. So yeah, thinking outside of real estate now is what I'm about. And it's about making sure that trying to become a, a better person um, mm -hmm. within my team, even for an example, like, I don't know if you've read the book by Robin Chummer, The Leader Without a Title. I read it for a second time a couple of months ago. And it was so, so simple analogy in life, right? That like, if you read that book, like, it's so simple, but how many, think, how many people are actually doing that? How many people are practicing what Robin Sharma's about with leading around the title. Like from the, front, from, from the front receptionist to the sales administrator, like the, what, the way you treat people, the way you're leading without a title. We all mm. want recognition, don't we? We all want recognition. We're doing the best, we're doing this. But the reason Phil has created such a business is because he's always leading without a title. Mm -hmm. So when people see him in the public and they don't see him in the public, he's always making sure he's trying to make his business better but not being that arrogant, egotistical real estate agent that most are from the top. And that's why he's built this loyal, very loyal following. Very loyal. Yeah, very. I know a few of those guys have been there for a long, long, long time. Yeah, yeah. Now, and that's the thing, and that's what Robin yeah. Chalmers' book's about, and that's why it's so simple, but it's so, so, so effective. And to every person that starts at Harris Real Estate, they get given that and a bottle of Paul Roger champagne, <laughs> and, and they read that book, hopefully sure. they read it, and they, and they can understand why Harris Real Estate where it is today because everyone at Harris should be leading with a title. Sure. Now, a lot of our, uh, a lot of our audience is a lot of younger, 
a younger audience, a lot of new agents, assistants, people that are go, going off on their own. What do you reckon is the number one, or what would be your number one tip or piece of advice to anyone starting off on their own or, or starting to get into real estate? On their own in, in business? But either one. Starting Just off as an assistant or both. Give me two pieces of advice. One, for someone that's starting off to be their own agent, transitioning, and someone that's starting new into the yeah. industry. So I think if you're starting in the industry today as a salesperson, I was talking to a couple of new um, new beginners in our business a couple of weeks ago, work out three to five points or three things that you're exceptionally good at in the industry, right? So whether it's cold calling, door knocking, what's your community involvement like, what's your referral network like, mm. what's your um, uh, friends and family like, work out what's gonna work for you. Map it out, get the map out, mapping process, and get maybe 20 or 30 things you can think of and then work on three or four and become absolutely obsessed with them. So whether it's working a farm area, absolutely nailing that. Whether it's your sphere of influence, so everyone you know, how are you gonna work them to get your next listing? And then more importantly, making sure you've got a really good system and checklist and a process around that. So every time an opportunity arises and they've been referred to you, whether you're going to give them a dinner voucher, whether you're going to get a night's accommodation in the hotel, what are you going to do in your service area every single week to make sure that you're going to build this business? So having a very, very simple plan, that came back at Eric today, like gone are the days of having a 20-page business plan. Just have a very simple plan, map it out and do it. Other one about it, about a real estate business. If you want to run your own real estate business, I've studied real estate business in the last 12 to 18 months around Australia because I've tried to work out who are the most successful agencies that have managed mm. to create agents to get off the tools. Mm. So how many agents around Australia can become a selling non-selling principal? Yeah. There's very few, very few. very few. And the reason there's very few is because number one, too many of them, are too arrogant, they're ego-driven to want to make sure that everything rolls around them. And most importantly, how many of them are leaders? So how do you create leadership to the point where you get a listing opportunity mm -hmm. and they want you, but you know what? You don't sell houses, you're gonna give it to another team member. Yeah. There's very few like that. And to build loyal staff to come and work for you and stay with you, mm -hmm. that's the hardest thing. And that's why a lot of real estate businesses around Australia always have a selling principle. Mm, for sure. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Do you have any other questions, Danny? What, um, what advice, I, I've sort of asked it, but I'm curious, for someone who is performing at you know, that topper level, what advice would you give to someone who's wanting to excel to the next level? Would it be to manage their mindset, things outside of work, sharpen the the tools on their four things they're meant to be good at, what would you say is the... What I've found out in the last couple of years is once you get to a point like, say for example, like me, what are you chasing next? What's next? Is it starting your own business? Is it um, making more sales? Is it growing your business to a higher average sale price? Everyone's got their very um, unique um, aspirations and, and, and they're all unique at what they do. But there's a very difference between becoming a good salesperson and a good business owner. Yeah. They're very, very different things. And we all know that running a real estate business is like running a business. You've got GST, you've got BAS, you've got P&L. Like, that takes time. And that's why very few people actually are good at that. So mm. if you become a good salesperson, like the likes of Alex Phillips, one of the greatest realtors to ever mm. um, like go in this business because he's been doing it for such a long period of time, 
what gets him up every day? Well, it's about the mindset. It's about making sure he continually learns his craft, whether it's listening to that particular person, working with a trainer. But mm. absolutely, you've got to reinvent the wheel six to 12 months, every six to 12 months. Otherwise, it just gets boring. It really does. Actually, I've got one last question before we jump off. Um, something more personal for myself. What, like, obviously I've built up a decent sized business now. What are the pitfalls that I should look to avoid and, and how do I know how to spot them? In what sense are you saying? In business. In business? In, in, in obviously listing and selling and how do I make sure I'm not going backwards and always going forwards? Yeah, I think the most important thing for you is you've got to consistently look at your numbers yeah. to make sure that you're hitting your daily metrics every single day. Because once you don't hit your daily metrics, that's going to obviously make, that's not going to allow you to be where you want to be in six, 12, 18 months' time. So mm-hmm. the thing I've realised in business is that if I'm writing 1.5 million, I want to get to 1.6 next financial year. Mm-hmm. Then I want to get to 1.8, or then I want to get to 2 million. So for you, how do you stay on track? Well, you stay on track by just running a night a week and just doing your daily metrics every single day. Like the problem is everyone try and reinvent the wheel. And I've tried reinventing it as well. I've always <laughs> thought like real estate's going to get easier. You know what, though, you take your foot off the gas for one week or one month, yeah. pe- you think people know you, they think they like, like you. No, they don't. Mm. They're going to go with the other competitor up the road. Yeah. If you don't ring them, your competitor's ringing them. Yeah. So for you, making sure that your business stays bulletproof and there's no holes in it, just hit your daily mm. metrics. And when you say daily metrics, are you looking at the listings and sales or are you just solely focusing on... 20 uh, connects a day, yeah. two appraisals a day. Yeah. Five days a week, that's 10 appraisals a week. That's what, 200 calls a week? Yeah. 200 connects a week? You do that every single week for 50 weeks of the year or 45 weeks of the year, you aren't guaranteed to have success in this business. For sure. That's 40 market appraisals on average a month, right? Yeah. Call it 350 a year, yeah. right? You might get how many of them to transact if they're all cold to begin with over a long period of time. You're building a database. Yeah. This is where people go wrong but they want that success tomorrow. They want it next week. But you just got to hit your daily metrics of 20 connects, two appraisals. And you know what? You can go home knowing that in one month's time, you'll get a call. In two months' time, you might get two calls. And then gradually, it comes to effect. Because in my first 12 months in real estate, I was calling six, eight months in. All of a sudden, in my ninth month of real estate, I listed seven properties. Why? Because all those months of prospecting paid dividends. That's massive. Adelaide's best. Yeah. Tom Hector. Thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate it.